Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Our guest on today's podcast has been involved in the outdoor industry in Manitoba for several years. He has worked as the managing director of the Manitoba Wildlife Federation and the executive director of the Manitoba Lodge and Outfitters. Dr. Brian Kodak has a small environmental consulting firm he initiated 17 years ago. Through his firm, he has worked on contract for several nonprofits. His work on water quality, fisheries and wildlife management, and environmental impact assessment all have a common theme, involvement of stakeholders and Indigenous peoples in decisions affecting natural resources. Brian holds a Bachelor of Science and Master's of Science degree from the University of Manitoba and a PhD from the University of Alberta. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Great to see you. Hey, thanks, Don. Real pleasure to be, uh, be on your podcast. Now, um, we, uh, we go back a little ways. Uh, we, we sat on a Lake Winnipeg stakeholder group uh, when you were the managing director of the Manitoba Wildlife Federation. And um, I was totally impressed how organized you were. And then I found out you got a PhD. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's a prerequisite, Don. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are organized. And, uh, and you know, that, that uh, stakeholder committee, um, it turned out pretty well. We, we got some of the things that we wanted implemented in. And I think the biggest impact uh, was the three and a half inch mesh size. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's we've had a really good working relationship over the last several years with the with the provincial government and of course with the the staff in the fisheries branch and uh, the government's listening. And I think one of the you know aside from just changes in the regulations for the commercial fishing on on Lake Winnipeg, uh, one of the things that stands out to me is that you know both you and I were really advocating for. Um, for collecting more scientific data on the fishery, not only on Lake Winnipeg, but on other lakes that are commercially fished, just to make sure that, you know, we have the data in hand that we can actually make uh, informed decisions about how to manage the fishery. Yeah, if people actually believe it, um, that's that's the next, uh, you know, stumbling block. It's 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 a hard thing to um, to get across sometimes, but if you have the information, then um, you know it goes so much further and to actually convince people to do the right thing. So, yeah, so that's absolutely. great. So now you're currently working on a um, a really interesting program. You wrote an article for us about it in Hooked Magazine, the Collaborative Stock Monitoring Program. Explain what that is, Brian. Well, it's a, it's a recognition of the fact that we do need more and better uh, stock assessment data in many of the lakes that are commercially fished in, in Manitoba. It's also a recognition by the province that um, they don't have the resources to, to do all that kind of monitoring. And so it, it, takes, um, it takes that kind of need and matches it up with an opportunity in the indigenous commercial fishers that we have scattered throughout the provinces, province in uh, various First Nation communities. So essentially what the stock monitoring program does is it's uh, training and hiring 
First Nation, uh, or I should say indigenous, because it also includes Métis communities, um, indigenous commercial fishers to, um, to uh, conduct um, stock monitoring uh, of their fisheries that, that they participate in. So that's, you know, includes stuff like index netting. Um, and so teaching them how to actually do the index netting, collect the scientific data, and then participate in the decision-making process, process on, on how those fisheries are, are managed. Who are the partners in the program? So this started in 2018, um, and it was both the province of Manitoba through the, the Wildlife and Fisheries Branch um, and the federal government um, through the Indigenous Inland Commercial Fisheries Initiative. And that's being, the funding for the feds is coming through Indigenous Services Canada and the funding through the province is coming directly from, from the um, Wildlife and Fisheries Branch. And in, so it started in 2018. Uh, last year in 2020, the administration of the program was, was given over to the University College of the North. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working with them uh, starting last year when I first started working in the stock monitoring program. Um, and it's been fa fantastic to have uh, University College of the North uh, as kind of administrating the, the whole program. That's great collaboration, but you also have uh, the U University of Winnipeg helping out as well. So how do they fit in? They fit in uh, by filling another uh, need. Um, it's one thing to collect the data and especially the, the aging structures from the fish from, uh, from each of the water bodies that we're working on. Um, but currently there's a backlog in being able to actually section and age uh, all those aging structures from the fish. So that's where the U of W comes in through their, uh, uh, through one of their programs to, to train some of our fishers in how to actually uh, age, age the fish. And um, unfortunately due to COVID, it's kind of thrown a bit of a, uh, a curveball at us in terms of uh, in-person training, but, uh, but they are developing kind of an online training system for the, for the commercial fishers. So hopefully that'll also relieve a bit of the backlog of, uh, of addressing all those aging structures that are sitting in envelopes right now. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the reasons this program came about was the fact that a lot of the indigenous fishers were concerned about the stocks and they wanted to have some input in what was going on as far as the management of the fishery. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, the fishers have been asking for years to have better participation in the decision-making process, um, but also in helping to, to collect that data. And so the, the province and the federal government really stepped up in 2018. And it started very small. We started with two First Nation communities, six, six Indigenous fishers. Uh, that was in 2018. And by 2020, we're up to eight First Nation communities, uh, a number of Métis communities around them as well, and 29 commercial fishers. And we're probably on tap to, to have roughly that number uh, again in, in 2021. So it's really been a success story. Yeah, yeah. And for the first few years, it was funded entirely by the federal government. And this year, really pleased that, uh, that the Wildlife and Fisheries Branch have been contributing cash funding into the program as well. Now, if we go back in history a little bit, um... It's interesting because the Waterhen Lake and, and the indigenous fishers up there, 
managed to get eco certification for their commercial fishery in 2014. Yeah. That was a big yeah. step. Oh, it was a huge step. It was the the first certified walleye commercial fishery um, in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and, and still to this date, I believe they have the only certified Northern pike fishery in the world. Um, so that was, a, that was a huge step. And it kind of set Manitoba on down the path of, of working towards certification of as many of their large commercial fishery lakes uh, as possible. But I think we have to give some of the members of the fisheries department some credit for this because they certainly stepped in and really helped these uh, communities do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Full kudos to uh, to our fisheries uh, staff. It's it is not an easy process to go through, and it's not uh, the the bar is set pretty high to to receive Marine Stewardship Council certification. You know, I worked for a number of years previously in the forest industry and in helping. Uh, Tembeck in eastern Manitoba get forest stewardship uh, certification and it's it's a pretty pretty difficult process so I know in detail what it takes to actually get through that process so for on the fish side of things um, yeah full kudos to the to the provincial government. And another bit of good news with the announcement a couple of weeks ago the Cedar Lake and and the two main fisher groups there are also working towards that. Yeah, yeah. They, um, Cedar Lake, the 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 the, the community, uh, Chemawawan uh, Cree Nation, and uh, and and their Fisher Association have done such a great job. You know, it was it was only back in I think 1998 where they uh, they voluntarily closed the fishery completely, the commercial fishery, to allow the stocks to uh, to um, to regrow. And uh, I think voluntarily also, they extended that until about 2003 before they reopened the commercial fishery. And um, since that time, the, the fishers have worked very hard to make sure that the, uh, the fishery is sustainable in, in that lake. And they've been working hand in hand with the, with the province under kind of a shared management uh, approach. Um, even, even though back then it wasn't even called shared management and there was, they were, it was just something they needed to do to, to work together to manage the fishery better. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I got an invite from one of the commercial fishers there to come up and do a, a show, a complete English show around 2000, I believe it was when that closure was in effect and they were at, very adamant that they wanted to, they wanted to manage the, the, the fishery. So it was a renewable resource and so that it could be sustainable. And they've been working on this a long time, Brian. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the results are plain to, to see. You look at their, their walleye stocks, the, the, the number of walleye has gone up quite considerably. The relative weights of the walleye has gone up quite considerably. And the, the total mortality of walleye has dropped a lot. So the, um, all the metrics are pointing to a very well-managed uh, fishery, which is you know exactly why they can they can attain marine stewardship council certification yeah and uh <laughs> i've heard all the stories from uh, walt isaac and when he did all the index netting up there and mm -hmm. and uh, the, the huge pike that exists in that lake and if you recall the story about the guy that was a commercial fisher through the ice and him and his family caught this massive pike and uh, they ended up eating it, but it, it could have been a potential world record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that lake has got huge potential for, uh, for growing fish. 
it's very fertile. It's it's a dammed reservoir, the Saskatchewan River, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the fish do grow fast. It's a it, it's a really interesting body of water, but. Uh, you better have your depth finder. You better prepare not to go too fast because there's so much structure in that body of water, and there's still some sunken timber. So it is a it is a bit of a challenge, but it's a, it, it is a great fishery, and I'm, I'm glad to see it's come back. Yeah, absolutely. So am I. So what's the what's the next steps for uh, for your program that we're talking about the CSMP? Well, we have right now we have eight First Nation communities and a number of Métis communities surrounding them that uh, that are involved in the program. And um, we do have a lot of interest from other First Nation communities that have commercial fish fisheries, um, some in uh, kind of northeastern Manitoba, uh, still more in the northwest. So um, I think the plan is over time to, to expand the, the program and expand the reach, get more communities and fisher associations involved in uh, and trained in, in collecting uh, all the index uh, netting data. Um, get them more involved in the decision-making process. That, and that's, you know, that's one of the things I really like about this, this program is it takes the skills that the First Nation or Indigenous commercial fishers have already, and it marries that with, uh, with kind of the scientific data collection, and it gives them more of a toe in the door in terms of shared, shared management with, uh, with the province. Well, this is your uh, this is your background, Brian, because, you know, when you talk in your bio, yeah, all your work on water quality, fisheries and wildlife management, environmental impact assessment, uh, the common theme, involvement of stakeholders and Indigenous people in those decisions. Yeah, you know, Don, it just doesn't get any better than this. If I was <laughs> looking to have a dream job, um, this, yeah. this would be it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not only really gratified uh, to just to help to coordinate this program, but it, uh, it really pleases me a lot to see that uh, we're really moving the yardsticks down the field in terms of shared management. Like this is a real concrete example of, of, of how shared management can be done. So where did all this come from? Uh, I know you went to the University of Manitoba, you got your bachelor of science, you got your master's of science, and you got your PhD from the U of Alberta. Was this kind of work always in the back of your mind? Um, the fishery stuff, I've always been interested in it, but, you know, your opportunities take you sometimes in completely different directions. So, you know, after I finished my PhD, I got hired on as, a, as a, an aquatic ecologist to do some fisheries work, but more water quality stuff for a, a forest company in, in northern Alberta, Alberta Pacific Forest Industries. And then from there, I, I got a job in Pine Falls as the environment director for the old newsprint mill. So I did some work in the mill and some work out in the, the forests with water quality and not so much on fisheries. So it's, uh, it's taken a while for me to get my feet back in the, in the lake and in the rivers in terms of fisheries management. But you also got a little bit of a, a look at that when you, uh, you were head of the Manitoba, executive director of the Manitoba Lodge and Outfitters for a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a great experience um, to be able to, to work with uh, all the lodge owners on uh, the issues that are important uh, to them. And uh, yeah, during that part of my, my tenure, that was just when COVID really uh, started to hit hard back in the spring of 2020. Um, so it was a tough time for a lot of lodge, lodge owners and out outfitters that just couldn't, uh, couldn't get any of their U.S. clients uh, up into Canada. Now you do some work with ganglers and uh, what is it that you, your specialty there? Well, that's um, 
I'm, I'm helping ganglers, or I already have helped ganglers to develop an ecotourism program up there uh, for years and years, and especially in more recent years, uh, the fishermen are, have been bringing up their, their families to, to fish and, you know, some of the spouses and even some of the kids don't want to be fishing five or seven days in a row. They want other things to do. And the Gangler's Lodge in Northern Manitoba is located uh, along some of the most beautiful sand esters I've ever seen. And, um, and so I went up there to, to help Ken Gangler develop an ecotourism program. So, yeah, I, I run, I run his ecotourism programs up there, uh, do geology tours, botany tours, uh, wildlife photography, and uh, and catch the odd fish for shore lunch too. So are we moving in the right direction with all this, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. I am so pleased with uh, the pace at which we're, we're doing this with the collaborative stock monitoring program and just the direction. Um, the, one of the things I really like about the stock monitoring program is the data do get analyzed relatively quickly and then the province sits down with each of the fisher associations and collaboratively they, they look at the data, they look at the, the metrics that they've developed out of the data and then they go, okay, what do we need to do to change the regulations? Either relax them or make them a little more strict just to make sure we have a sustainable fishery. So it's a really great example of data that doesn't end up on a shelf somewhere collecting dust. It actually does get used very quickly and the management decisions are, are on a very timely basis. Well, I think uh, one thing COVID did, and even before that, with the increase in, in um, people wanting to be outdoors, uh, they're starting to understand how valuable all our various resources, both, uh, both forest and, and fish, are to this province. Yeah, absolutely. And with a new recreational angling strategy, uh, coming into place, um, that with, uh, changes to commercial fishing, I just see, I just see a really bright future in this province. What does the future hold for you? Oh, I, <laughs> I hope to continue on as, as the coordinator, as long as the, the powers that be are happy with what I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I'm enjoying myself so much and I just couldn't see myself being anywhere else. Well, it's great. I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show, Brian. And it's very exciting news. I've been in this industry a long time and it's music to my ears. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's all good news, Don. Okay, Brian, thanks so much. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.